Greetings and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Stephen Burdick. Now, Stephen is an author from Florida who writes novellas set in that state. He's got one out from Shotgun Honey, another one just out from Down and Out Books, and we're going to talk about both of them. I will also tell you that he has already locked down the Mustache of the Year Award from Wrong Place or Right Crime. I don't think anybody is going to be able to beat him. Although, uh, we do have an episode with Dana King coming up here in a couple of weeks, and I think uh, Dana might take the silver medal right behind him. All right, before we talk to Stephen, I do want to let you know that Wrong Place or Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction. Most of it from the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If that's the kind of crime fiction that you dig, you can learn more at their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. Uh, coincidentally, uh, Down and Out Books is the, the publisher of Stephen's latest book, The Great Detective, and we're going to talk about that. They also publish A Grifter's Song, which is a novella anthology series that I created and edit and occasionally uh, contribute to. And the newest episode of that, episode 26, Ghost Image from Cat Richardson, came out on May 1st. Uh, it is a, a cool story uh, set in the Pacific Northwest at a uh, remote lodge uh, and is a little spooky, uh, but uh, that should, shouldn't surprise anybody who's familiar with Cat's uh, work. I would encourage you to check it out if you're not familiar with the Grifter song. Uh, it features Sam and Rachel, a pair of grifters who love each other and the game, and pretty much nobody else. Uh, the rest of the world is is, is the enemy. Uh, they're always looking to score, and uh, each episode is a self-contained con in which they try to do that, set in a different location, written by a different author. Uh, so you get a different style, a different voice, uh, different POVs. It's a lot of fun. I've had a great time editing it. And uh, Kat has a, a great story. So give it a look. Ghost Image by Kat Richardson, episode 26 of A Grifter's Song from Down and Out Books. All right. Uh, let's uh, get into that interview with Stephen Burdick. Well, hey, Stephen. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, there are times that I wish I did a video version of the show, uh, and this is one of those times because you have got uh, a absolutely awesome Wyatt Earp, uh, Sam Elliott style mustache going on there, and it, it would be a, <laughs> it would be a treat for the listeners to be able to see it. <laughs> well, uh, a couple of people have actually said I kind of sound like Sam Elliott too, so <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely want to get into to Deemer's Inlet and to your new new book, uh, The Great Detective. Uh, but we were chatting before we got started here, and I was pretty impressed with the uh, number of jobs that you've done in your life. And I think people would, would be interested to hear just, I mean, it's a laundry list. I mean, you said you started work at a, in an ice cream shop and what are some of the other places that you've worked? Well, let's see. Um, I went from there. I was an usher. Uh, this was during the junior high and high school years, junior high. That should tell you how far back. I got. <laughs> Not in the, well, I was junior high when I went too. So, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, uh, let's see, I drove a truck for a seafood company, uh, which was, you know, being in Florida was a pretty natural thing to do. 
And then uh, a couple of friends of mine uh, owned a, uh, started a printing company. In fact, they're still in business today as an imaging company, Bayprint Imaging 360. And uh, I worked for them for eight years uh, doing um, delivery and uh, various tasks around the shop. And let's see, then I went from there to, I actually uh, worked in a uh, nursery, uh, flowers and all that stuff for a while. And uh, I'm sure there's other jobs in there I can't remember. But anyway, I wound up working in the parks department, uh, the last part of, uh, right before I retired, uh, for almost 20 years, uh, for a small community, uh, on Florida's Gulf coast. Uh, it is probably fitting that you live on the Gulf coast of Florida because that's where, where most of your work is set. Um, and I promise we're going to get to that folks. Just hold on for <laughs> one, one more line of questioning and then we'll, we'll get to the goodies. Um, and, and that is, uh, uh, when did you start? I started um, writing, well, as we discussed uh, before, I actually was uh, attempting to be a songwriter early on in my uh, younger days. And uh, that's right. You were, uh, you toured with a local band, right? As a groupie or right. not as a groupie, as a roadie. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> yes, quite a bit different. But <laughs> excuse me, I got a kick out of that. I <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, uh, we traveled around Florida and, and, uh, then after we all got out of high school, we actually wound up in new England and uh, upstate New York and, and Vermont. So I tried to, uh, do some songwriting with the lead singer and, uh, we were doing pretty well writing ballads and all, and then, uh, disco came along and, uh, that went out the window. Uh, <laughs> so, so I decided I needed a real job and, uh, I came back and did, uh, some of the work I had mentioned before. Uh, but around two, uh, 2005, 2006, 2007, I guess, I, I started writing, and uh, my boss at the time uh, was uh, an avid reader, so I started uh, handing her, I, I, I write novellas, and was handing her some of the material, and she was very encouraging. In fact, she even passed them along to her mother, who would come down to visit, and uh, they were both uh, very instrumental in, in uh, encouraging me to continue. And, and also, uh, the woman who was the director of the library there passed along a few stories to her, and she, uh, she too, uh, suggested that I keep at it. Um, so I did continue whenever I could, got home from work and uh, wrote when I could, and wrote on the weekends. And then once I retired, I was very fortunate to find a writer's group in the, uh, the public library, which is blocks away from where I live, and got hooked up with uh, some folks in there. And... Um, uh, I'll, I'll admit to you, uh, Frank, uh, when I first went in and sat down and listened to these people, I was pretty intimidated because I was surprised at the number of people, uh, that were such good writers that, that had not been published. Uh, but the thing I liked about the group was the fact that, uh, they wanted to help. They offered constructive criticism, uh, and didn't, didn't rip you apart, you know, like I heard some, uh, groups did and, um, they wanted everyone in the group to succeed. So I stayed with it and kept at it. And uh, I was fortunately in a position to be able to write uh, most of the day and everything. And um, then uh, one of the people in the group who is a very good friend of mine now called me and said, um, you know, uh, you ought to uh, start uh, 
sending out submissions to uh, publishers and all. Uh, I met an author named Steph Post at a seminar and oh, she yeah. was very encouraging and, and steered me to down and out books. And um, uh, once again, the same friend called me and said uh, there was an imprint, Shotgun Honey, that, uh, that uh, published novellas. So I sent one of my stories, Deemer's Inlet, up to them and they accepted it. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I was floored and I realized how fortunate I am. And um, so I've just tried to keep the ball rolling. So I guess there's two competing uh, responses to to that story, and and I, I think they can both exist. They're not mutually exclusive. Um, one is that you you did have a little bit of a charmed existence there. I mean, you found a a first reader who could give you encouragement and feedback. You found a writers group that wasn't. Uh, cannibalistic it was actually you know was was good good for helping you out and, and then you you seem to have uh landed at the right uh publisher at the right time um and so one could say yeah you you got kind of lucky there uh but at the same time as someone who's been in this business for a while as well i know that with all that luck came a whole lot of work too a whole lot of effort a whole lot of uh uh, sweat and, uh, you know, get to get things to that point. So anybody listening, you know, I mean, it's, it's that same thing where somebody's an overnight success and it only took them 20 years to become that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> very true. That's very true. Um, uh, the one thing I will say is, um, uh, again, uh, these folks in the writers group, uh, a couple of them were, were very good at, um, making suggestions and I would hand them the stories and they would critique them. And um, uh, this one particular friend of mine, whom I still send stories to today, uh, she's very tough. Uh, but I mean, in a way that, you know, she wants me to mm -hmm. me to write a better, better story. And yeah, uh, she's on your side. And that, that works out. And I will also tell you that uh, when I first uh, was getting ready to submit to Shotgun Honey, I handed her three stories and I said, which one would you send to them? And she looked at me and said, Deemer's Inland. So I listen to her from now on. <laughs> well, now, Shotgun Honey, that is uh, helmed by Ron Earl Phillips. And um, you were telling me before we got rolling with uh, the show here that uh, you, you've had a great experience with him. Yes, yes. And I, and I want to thank him very much for giving me that opportunity. Uh, I was quite shocked when I received the word, uh, you know, that they were interested and uh, realized how fortunate I was. And again, equally as fortunate after after the release of uh, Deemer's Inlet to, uh, you know, be able to talk to the folks at uh, Down and Out Books, uh, Eric and Lance. Well, uh, Ron is a, is a cool guy. I've been fortunate enough to meet him a couple of times. And he jokingly says he's the other Phillips because, uh, you know, Gary Phillips casts a rather large shadow in the <laughs> crime writing community. So, and, and Ron's kind of a funny guy too. So, um, yes. um, what is Deemer's Inlet about? It takes place in Florida, but, uh, can you tell me a little more about it? Well, uh, it's, it's a, a fictional community that's right below another, uh, an actual community of Indian Rock speech and um, a former uh, homicide detective from Miami uh, takes over as chief of police there, figuring he'll just have a pretty easy life because it is such a small place and he can enjoy his pastime of fishing and things go well for quite a few years. And then there is a murder and the following week there is another murder. Uh, well, his, his uh, staff is uh, without a detective and is undermanned so he has to call upon his 
mm -hmm. uh, detective skills and experience to try to, to solve these crimes uh, and also deal with day-to-day -day life and um, a nosy mayor who keeps hounding him <laughs> about different things. And um, in the meantime, so real. <laughs> that is so how it is. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, subsequent murders happen around uh, the, uh, the beach area there, uh, which brings uh, in a county uh, sheriff's office detective. And together they team up uh, to try to solve all these uh, uh, murders. And uh, while they're doing so, uh, the dispatcher administrative assistant uh, for uh, uh, the police force at Deemers Inlet uh, becomes involved with a man and the chief starts to think that maybe the murders and this particular individual are somehow connected. Mm. Uh, and as they delve further into it, they realize that uh, there may be more to it and the, uh, the killer may be hiding, hiding in plain sight. <laughs> I think you're delving into spoiler territory now. I'm going to stop, <laughs> stop you. No, I, I, I'm dancing, Frank. I'm dancing. So. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you that that you hit on a couple of interesting points, though, because, you know, politics in an, a big city or a small town, uh, you know, certainly exist and they may differ in how they're how they occur but the politics are the same and <laughs> and, uh, and and then you're you know you're talking about a smaller police department and you know uh that is different than a larger police department because everybody has to have you know more than one hat that they're willing to wear when you're talking about a a, a much smaller department than than your mid-sized or large department so uh you can have a lot of fun with that i would think oh yes oh yes and um, because I did work for a beach community, I'm, I'm uh, familiar, you know, with uh, certain goings on and how things are done. And you're absolutely right. I mean, sometimes other departments are called in and, and uh, I'm speaking from, from a, as a former city employee, you know, you're, you're called upon to do various things. So you just, you know, like you said, you just put on that hat and do it. Mm -hmm. So uh, Eldon Quick is that small town chief, uh, former homicide detective that we're, we're talking about here. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to jump ahead here to the great detective, but the great detective is a different character. So I want to ask you before we move on, uh, are there other Eldon Quick stories out there or will there be other Eldon Quick stories? Right now, there is only Deemer's Inlet. I will I will not say there won't be more. <laughs> there, there always could be, but there, uh, it's just the one right now. Well, then let's talk about the Gray Detective because this is a book that really is it's it's com comprised of three separate novellas, but there is a through thread. Yeah, yes, it starts out. Um, uh, uh, the character Joe Hampton um, has has moved to Florida and lives in a condominium on Clearwater Beach, and he's a former homicide detective from Philadelphia. And he and his wife had planned to uh, retire there, uh, and she uh, unexpectedly passes away, but he goes ahead with the move and uh, gets settled in. And uh, while he's there, he starts to think maybe um, maybe uh, he's not uh, real happy with the move because she's not there. Mm -hmm. um, and while he's there, uh, one night after a rousing game of bingo in the recreation, recreation room he's with some uh friends who are also residents and they find a body in the channel out back 
So the police are called and the two detectives come, Detective Carly Trufant and uh, Detective David Sizemore. And um, Joe gives his account of the story. And um, it's a rough beginning for the three of them at first until the detectives find out about uh, Joe's exemplary career. And so they uh, team up and uh, continue to look for uh, look for the uh, killer. And um, other things happen. Uh, the main, One of the maintenance men, who is a prime suspect, um, reveals the fact that he's had uh, some sexual encounters with the uh, residents in the condo and uh, had actually been talking to the victim they found the same night she was found in the channel. Uh, and then later on, uh, a couple of more murders happened. And uh, as you said, I won't get into spoiler territory, but... Um, Joe uh, does some probing around in the condo there and finds a group of residents uh, have formed a secret circle and uh, their uh, intentions are uh, not good. <laughs> and this is just the first of the three novellas in this book. That's correct. Yes. And, and all three of them do star Joe. Yes. Yes. Uh, Joe, it's just a continuation of, uh, of Joe in the, in the condo and uh, also detectives uh, Carly Trufant and David Sizemore. Uh, and as they go along uh, in the second and especially the third, they become more familiar with the other and friendlier to each other and start working as a team. What happens in the second novella? What's that one called? Well, uh, Joe actually takes over the position of building manager, you know, to give him something to do, because again, he's, he's kind of drifting into a depression thinking about his wife. But uh, he meets a woman named Victoria Combs, who's a pretty rough customer, but she's looking for a, a condo there. And the, it, actually, the, the condominium is named the Crimson Conch. And uh, <laughs> of course, while that's going on, then detectives Trufant and Sizemore come back and ask him to help out with a couple of cases. And uh, while Joe's trying to establish a relationship with Victoria, some murders happen. And uh, the three of them once again start to realize that there is a connection there. And uh, what gets uh, kind of unnerving uh, after a while is the fact that uh, Joe doesn't realize how close to the killer he's become. And that's called Dark Arrival. Right. And then there's a third one called Deadly Separation that really kind of shows, I think, the evolution of his relationship with the two detectives there because he ends up helping one of them out during a divorce. That's correct. Carly Trufant um, is actually the detective sergeant. She's the leader of the uh, team. And um, th this is also the story where uh, Joe and Carly become a little closer uh, in, in their friendship, but... Uh, her uh, soon-to-be ex-husband is found uh, murdered in a townhouse, and uh, she becomes the leading suspect. Oh. And, of course, uh, Joe has to work with uh, David Sizemore to prove that she isn't. And then uh, more distractions when some neighbors from Philadelphia come in to visit Joe, and uh, all kind of things go, go on. I'm, I'm trying to dance around the spoiler thing. <laughs> and um, uh, more murders occur, and... Um, Joe and um, Sizemore uh, come to the conclusion that this uh, murderer also uh, is involved in quite a few murders uh, around the area. And uh, that's when the mind game between the two of them begins. So if you were going to place these into a subgenre, uh, I mean, are they procedural PI sort of, you know, hard boiled mm -hmm. or are they a little bit more comedic or lighthearted? Well, it's, um, there is a great deal of police procedural in it, um, crime fiction. And, and, but I do try to throw in a little, uh, uh, 
some lighthearted moments. Um, um, I played a great deal of softball uh, during my time, and some of my uh, teammates and other people on teams were law enforcement. And I talked to them quite a bit. Uh, we'd sit around the pool at tournaments, and uh, they'd start talking about their uh, different uh, you know stories and episodes and everything. And uh, I kind of got the impression, uh, and especially uh, from uh, detectives in homicide, that if you you don't have a little bit of a sense of humor, not so much about what has happened, but if you don't have a little humor between yourself, it can it can burn you out, and it can it can really um, certainly you know ca- cause some serious um, problems um, with your mind. So I throw in some um, just some some funny moments here and there, just to lighten it up a little. You know, you you you've lived in Florida for for it sounds like for most of your life, and. Uh, you know, you set these, these books, uh, there, is there something about books set in Florida that is in any way different than, you know, does the setting have a different impact on the story than if it were set in Cleveland or Colorado or Phoenix, or, I mean, is there something about Florida that's different? And if it is, what would you say that is? Uh, Well, um, first of all, Frank, I'm born and raised in Florida, so I've been, been here all my life. Uh, and um, I would say that the fact that um, a good many, um, not only my stories, but uh, by other authors take place uh, on the beach mm-hmm. or uh, in the Everglades or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, different national parks around the area. The weather always mm-hmm. plays a factor, especially in the summertime when I like to say July and August when the real Florida weather comes in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's always that. And, and in fact, in The Great Detective, there's a couple of times where Joe's on his balcony and he's watching thunderstorms off in the Gulf. And, uh, you know, if you've never experienced that, that is that is something to, uh, you know, that can be pretty interesting because you're watching all these lightning flashes in the clouds and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the air will suddenly cool down and then it'll heat back up again. And, and uh, as the old saying goes, Frank, uh, if you don't like the weather in Florida, wait five minutes, it'll change. So. <laughs> they, they say the same thing about the Oregon coast, actually. Uh, <laughs> different weather, though. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, you know, that you, you make a great point. I mean, most of my work is set in in you know, in Spokane and in, in Washington state. And I, I'm certainly not going to have any alligators in any of my, <laughs> any of my books. And that's, they're, they're fairly commonplace down there. So, um, the great detective is coming out, uh, on the 25th of April from, uh, down out books. It might be a little early to start talking about what's next, but, uh, what's next. Well, um, uh... We're working on the next three stories uh, in the Gray Detective series. Uh, the The book will be titled "Yesterday Rising." Uh, Good title. And it picks up where uh, these stories leave off, mm-hmm. and uh, more adventures. Uh, and uh, and one story, a uh, story called Inglewood, which is a uh, community a little farther south on the Gulf mm-hmm. Coast. Uh, Joe goes down there for a vacation. And, uh, of course, <laughs> gets, uh, gets caught up in some activity down there, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. He's so. a bit of a murder magnet. Like, <laughs> so you, these are all novellas, and that's not the most common form that you see in, in, in the mystery crime fiction community. I mean, a lot of people write short stories. I have interviewed people who write exclusively short stories. And, of course, people write novels. Um, 
and may dabble with novellas, but it's not the most popular format. I happen to love it, so I don't say that with any condescension at all, but uh, just factually. What is it about the novella that uh, attracts you and has you, you know, <clears throat> kind of focusing on? Well, Frank, to be perfectly honest, um, I had uh, friends in my writer's group say, you should, uh, you should try to write a novel. And I did. And I think it was about 33,000 words. And I said, you know, I don't think I can do this. So I just got to stick with the, uh, with the novellas. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've ri- actually written quite a few of them and n- not always uh, from the point of view of, of a detective. I, I have a few uh, that's a point of view of, a, of the criminals, again, set in Florida, but I, I seem to be more comfortable uh, with the novella. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, not, not taking anything away from uh, people who write short stories, novels or whatever. Sure. Um, I've had, I've had some people say to me, wow, I liked your story, but I wish it was longer. And other people <laughs> will say, you know, I was able to sit down here. And while I was waiting for my son or daughter to fi- finish uh, soccer practice, I was able to get through the majority of your, your book. And I mm-hmm. really liked that. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just felt like uh, it, it, uh, it has an appeal for, for some people. Well, we should never question the muse when uh, when she tells us how long a story is going to be. And I'm a firm believer that most stories have their own best natural length and trying to elongate them or curtail them uh, to fit you know, what, how long we want them to be uh, is probably a mistake. Well, that's true. And, and um, you know yourself that, that uh, you have to be very careful about not repeating when you get into different chapters. And um, I, I am very impressed by uh, authors of novels who are able to tell that story without, you know, rehashing things uh, if, it, if it isn't, you know, uh, called for in the story. But uh, as I said myself, I'm just more comfortable writing uh, the length of stories I do. Well, those stories include uh, Deemer's Inlet, uh, and The Great Detective, which has three novellas in it. And uh, we'll be looking forward to Yesterday Rising sometime in the future, I would expect from Down and Out Books as well. Uh, the author is Stephen Burdick. And Stephen, I want to tell you, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much, Frank. And I appreciate you having me uh, on your program. All right, folks, there you go. Stephen Burdick, a really nice guy. And he, he does sound a little bit like Sam Elliott, doesn't he? Uh, after we were done with the interview, uh, Stephen did tell me that uh, definitely his next book, Yesterday Rising uh, from Down Out Books, will be out next year. Uh, he confirmed that. So if you enjoy The Great Detective, you won't have to wait terribly long to get three more novellas uh, featuring that character. Next episode on Wrong Place or Right Crime, we are going to meet and talk with Emmeline Duncan. Uh, Emmeline writes uh, what I call in the interview uh, off cozy, kind of like off white. Uh, it's basically cozy, but it's got a few uh, uh, up to date twists to it. Um, she writes a series that takes place in Portland uh, with the main character operating a uh, coffee truck. Uh, so it's uh, kind of a cool idea. And uh, I had fun interviewing her. So that's next episode on Wrong Place or Right Crime. Quick Zafiro update for you. Uh, Don't forget that uh, the Tattered Blue Line, Short Stories of Contemporary Policing, is now available uh, in digital and paperback. 
Uh, this has 14 different authors, all of whom have law enforcement experience, writing about that experience uh, and trying to capture the humanity of the job and the people that they encounter on the job. So give that a try. And in a couple of days, the fifth book in the Charlie 316 series that I write with Colin Conway, The Ride Along, will be out. Now, The Ride Along actually started out as a short story idea, and very quickly uh, I became aware of the fact that I could not contain all of the ideas I wanted to express in just a short story. Uh, imagine, if you will, a true blue police officer and a true blue teacher who is a police reformer end up in the same patrol car for a graveyard shift uh, on a ride-along. Uh, sparks fly, not of the romantic kind, uh, and a lot of ideas get exchanged, and uh, some of them politely and some of them a little angrily, as is often the case uh, when ideas are exchanged. And, and this book was really born out of the frustration that I was feeling in having been in law enforcement and seeing uh, the profession from the inside and uh, how much the public really doesn't understand a lot of elements of law enforcement. And then they make judgments uh, that are, you know, that lack understanding while at the same time having enough distance from my former profession to see where we stumble, fall, or have philosophical failures, or, or maybe some mission drift, uh, and certainly don't help ourselves at times. Uh, and it was hard for me to rectify those two in my own mind, and I found myself frustrated with both sides, if you will, of the conversation, and mostly frustrated by the fact that nobody was listening to each other. So I wrote a book with two people in it, who have to listen to each other because they're stuck in a patrol car for 10 hours on a graveyard shift. So uh, I wrote the first draft of this and then Colin Conway and I uh, did some serious editing and uh, created uh, the ride along. So that'll be out on May 6th from Original Ink Press. May 6th, the ride along book five of the Charlie 316 series. Please give it a read. I think, or at least I hope that it will cause some people to pump their fists in agreement with parts and grind their teeth in disagreement and hopefully most of all to maybe consider some things that they haven't considered in the past regardless of where you are on the political spectrum or what your background is all right thank you for uh, indulging me a little bit there uh, i am excited about this book so a uh, big update where that's concerned uh, i would i want to say thank you to Stephen for coming on the show for being a great interview look forward to, to meeting him at some point in the future thanks to down out books for being a great sponsor and uh, of course thank you the listener uh, for checking out these authors i uh, hope you give Stephen a look uh, next episode we're going to talk to emmeline duncan until then this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime.